This is An American Workplace, a podcast dedicated to rewatching and discussing NBC's beloved mockumentary series, The Office. My name is Chad Hopkins, and joining me, or I'm rather joining you, as always, is my good friend and co-host, Katie White. Katie, how are you doing? I'm okay, Chad. How are you? I'm doing all right. I can, I can look and I can see you, and like not over a computer screen. Special episode for us today. Chad is in New York. If you are one of our Patreon subscribers... You're in my home um, with Chad and myself. Um, yeah, Chad's visiting D.C. and New York. Mm-hmm. He's visiting several people, myself included. So yeah, so it's a Wednesday night, our normal recording time. <laughs> but today it's um, in person. Yeah. So the the conversation will hopefully flow a little bit better because we'll be like having a conversation <laughs> like normal people do. <laughs> Without some technical difficulties, others may be added. But yeah. we are, yeah. this is our first time doing it this way. So yeah. Yeah. bear with us. And it is our first time seeing each other like actual physically face to face in four years, yeah. which is insane. We've just been like Twitter friends <laughs> for the last three, three, four years. And then when we started Patreon, we could see each other yeah. over screens, but yeah. this is better. Yeah. So, Well, we want to thank a few people. We've got new Facebook reviews from Benjamin Carter and Jared Stankowski. So thank you too. And also new reviews on Apple Podcasts from Thomas Grice4, who is actually from Australia. So good day. Uh, Dingo Babies <laughs> and Shelves McGelbs. So thank you both. Uh, thank all of you for your reviews. There was a quick thing that we didn't mention in Prince Family Paper that we both meant to mention. It was in both of our notes and we totally skipped over it. There was, um, as a part of that whole hot or not debate about Hillary Swank, there was a great line, uh, a great moment from Kelly where she basically has a meltdown. She says... No, no, no. She's hot, okay? Because if you are saying Hillary Swank isn't hot, then you're saying I'm not hot because obviously I'm not as hot as Hillary Swank. Right, with like more tears and mascara yeah. <laughs> running down the face and that kind of stuff. Right. And it's just Kelly being her normal um, attention-seeking self and really just needing to be the center of this discussion. So. Right, and also holding celebrity culture as like a paradigm to strive for. Right. You know, she, remember when uh, Jim had been gone at Stanford for a while and he comes back and she says, so much has happened. Uh, and she talks about celebrities, uh, like having babies and a Royal wedding or whatever. It, 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 and he's like, well, what's up, what's, what's up with you? Yeah. I just told you, Jim. <laughs> so it, it's similar to what we've seen from her before. Uh, but there's also a deleted scene that sort of accompanies this where Jim and Toby go back to the annex to try and comfort her. And she's just too hysterical for them. And they sort of like, quickly dismiss themselves from the room because they're very clearly uncomfortable. So we just wanted to mention that because it's a, it's a funny moment. Uh, it's reveals a lot about Kelly that, I mean, we've seen it before, but it, it just sort of furthers that. So I uh, wanted to mention that before we get into our big episode and we did record Prince family paper as an extra episode last week, because this was the, this was the perfect episode for us to talk about in person because this episode was actually a pretty big deal even at the time. It aired the night of the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the the ratings are the highest for the entire show, I believe. And that's why we have special appearances from Jessica Alba and Jack Black and Cloris Leachman in their little movie within a TV show. Uh, so it's it's a pretty cool... Uh, just They're trying to draw in an audience with these... It's a longer episode. It's uh, more uh, exciting right off the bat. Yeah. And then you have extra star power to sort of bring people in and hopefully keep them. Highest rated of the series? 
I, I think, oh yeah, from, from the series, like wow. the whole show, I think, um, if you look at the ratings for the show, it's like a, a random spike where they watched, because hmm. it immediately followed the Super Bowl. This I is think. a very, very funny episode. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really just hilarious. Yeah, I took a train from D.C. to New York this morning at like 7 a.m. And that's when I just I did all my podcast prep. And even like as exhausted as I was waking up at 5 a.m. this morning, I was hysterically laughing in the quiet car on the train <laughs> because this episode so was so funny right off the bat. I'm sure that the other people did not blame you if they have seen The Office, then no. they understand uh, what's happening. <laughs> well, getting into it, it aired on February 1st of 2009. It was directed by Jeffrey Blitz and written by our very own Toby, Paul Lieberstein. Dwight is the safety officer at Dunder Mifflin Scranton. In the name of chaos, he simulates a fire, blocks all exits, cuts the phone lines. It's a disaster. Stanley, not knowing that it's fake, has a heart attack right in the middle of the office. Upon Stanley's return to the office, Michael holds a CPR training class, holds a meditation session, and generally tries to keep Stanley relaxed. Upon learning that Michael himself is a reason that Stanley is stressed, he decides to hold a roast for himself. The office, of course, jumps at the opportunity, and Michael is, of course, devastated that everyone took that opportunity. <laughs> the, this episode has some really big highs and some kind of pretty low lows there towards the end as well. Dwight starts off the episode by sort of almost like conniving with the documentary crew, almost like he's trying to uh, conspire with them, like, hey, you're in on this joke or you're in on this, this plan that nobody else is going to know about. And it's because nobody paid attention to my safety demonstration. And we see that even Michael didn't pay attention to the safety demonstration because he has no clue what to do. Right. And uh, he, Dwight, goes, he bends the key in the door, which seems totally unnecessary. If you're locking it, why do you need to, like, break the key into the lock, too? Right. That seems like an extra step too far. But, I mean, this whole thing is an extra step too far, you know? <laughs> it, it's It's... The cigarette, too. He decides to light it with the cigarette rather than just a lighter. And I think it's because it like gives him cool points or something. And it's just so he can say the whole... Uh, smoking saves yeah, lives. Today, smoking saves lives. Yeah, he, he thinks he's so cool and doing such a great job. But everything he's doing is an enormous safety hazard, which uh, it occurred to me that it's so sort of antithetical to the Dwight that we saw in Moroccan Christmas just two episodes ago. Because in that one... Michael said, you know, Meredith, next time you catch yourself on fire, we're not going to do anything to stop you or save you. And Dwight says, well, I would kind of have to because it's my, jo my job as fire marshal. And, you know, I, I would have to do it in a well-ventilated area, maybe, and I'd have to have a permit. But now he's setting a fire himself, not well-ventilated. Maybe he sees it as controlled in the trash can, but uh, it just it's so opposite. Jamming the doors locked like he's creating a huge safety hazard because okay now that the simulation's over great he's he has now jammed the doors closed yeah. like it's it's very very unsafe and um he i kind of anticipated this wrong i i kind of remembered the episode wrong and i started typing out my notes before even watching the episode and i said dwight you know was was doing this to teach a lesson to everyone and then upon watching it i was like no he really thinks it's a teaching tool yeah. um people didn't pay attention to his fire safety talk and he said, you know what? People learn in lots of different ways, but experience, experience is the best teacher. And it's, it's almost like he, he really thinks that this is what's going to help them learn. Right. He, to prove he's super into safety, he puts everyone in enormous danger. Right. Honestly. <laughs> he does prove that everyone is pretty oblivious. I mean, he's the one who has to point out that the smoke is entering the room. But uh, I mean, I think he's coming at this from a good place. Like he, his 
idea and what he's trying to accomplish makes sense, but he just takes everything too far. He, like, they should like, know that far. they're in a simulation. Right. right. Or, or <laughs> if they don't know right off the start, they should know pretty soon after. Like as soon as they realize, oh crap, we don't know what to do. That split second, he should have stopped the situation rather than letting it drag on as far as it does. And, you know, I mentioned Michael not knowing what to do either. He has that whole, oh, no, every, it's happening. Oh, God, it's <laughs> happening. Everybody stay calm. Stay effing calm. And then he says, we're trapped. Everyone for himself. This is the manager of the company yeah. who's saying every man for himself. Uh, he, he, he just doesn't, nobody paid attention, including Michael. And Michael should have been the one most informed, aside from Dwight. Dwight says that, he was as helpful as he could be. He was shouting um, instructions during the simulation, but of course everyone was panicking. Well, of course they're panicking. They think mm -hmm. that they're dying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. If they had listened to his presentation and knew what to do, maybe this wouldn't have happened, but why put them in the situation to, to panic right. and right. to uh, have a heart attack? <laughs> yeah. If he had stopped it right before that moment of panic, you wouldn't have Michael throwing the projector through the window you wouldn't have Oscar falling through this, uh, the ceiling. You wouldn't have Stanley having his heart attack. And uh, those first two things are funny in their own ways. But that's, I mean, to them, that's not the point. To us as an audience, yeah, we want to laugh. But the goal shouldn't be to incite panic and give us funny moments to watch. Right. Um, and probably even the worst part about it is that Dwight doesn't see what he did as a problem. And he... He, he says a lot of ideas weren't appreciated in their time. And <laughs> it, and then he says on the car ride home from New York, I've got a, a bomb scare, a bomb scare that's really going to set, set everybody straight. You know, he, he just isn't learning from any of this scenario. He thinks he's completely in the right. And, um, Michael doesn't even really seem to have an issue with it either. In fact, when they're in New York, um, it's David and I assume an HR guy. I think it's a lawyer, maybe. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, that makes sense. Um, on one side of the desk, on David's side of the desk, and on the other, it's Michael and Dwight. And Michael sort of assumes that he is in the position to reprimand, not to be reprimanded. And so as they're being scolded, he steps around the desk and tries to sit down with David and the, and the lawyer. and David says, no, 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 like, this is your responsibility. He's your employee. Mm -hmm. um, so Michael really doesn't even see the, the weight in what Dwight did. Right. And this is what we alluded to when we talked about Moroccan Christmas and his concern for Meredith. Right. Uh, we thought maybe production order, he had experienced this, and that that's why he was so concerned for Meredith. Uh, but the point is, it takes a person almost dying in his office for Michael to realize that he does have certain responsibilities as manager. And it, it sort of is one of his responsibilities to make people feel like they can be safe at work of all places. Mm -hmm. uh, he humorously says a, 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 an office is a place to not die, a place the office is a place to experience life to the fullest where dreams come true. <laughs> I don't think that that's necessarily the case as far as an office goes, but it's certainly not a place you should go to die. Yeah. Um, so he does try and make everyone feel rested and peaceful. They have the group meditation session, uh, but he doesn't know what he's doing. It's probably again, something he looked up on like Wikipedia because that's Michael's thing. And because he's still Michael, it's not as relaxing as he would hope it would be. And Stanley has that biofeedback machine. That's like, Oh, well, Michael, you're the one stressing all of us out. Oscar puts it on. It's the same situation. Michael's just a stressful person because he doesn't know how to stay out of people's business and he doesn't know how to treat the workplace as sort of a serious non-comedy club. I love that Stanley's biofeedback machine 
even goes off when his eyes are closed yeah, and yeah. hypothetically doesn't know that Michael's standing right next right, to him. Right. Michael kind of backs up and it quiets and he kind of nears Stanley again and it beeps. Um, and Oscar tries it and sure enough, yeah, I mean, it is Michael stressing everyone out. Granted, it, Michael wasn't the one that made Stanley have the heart attack. That was definitely all Dwight. But Michael realizes that he is a stress factor in these people's lives. And I think even if your boss isn't Michael Scott, your boss is a is a stressor. I mean, that's just mm-hmm. the nature of having a boss. But Michael, of course, takes it straight to the heart. And there's the CPR scene in the middle of those two things as well, uh, where, again, it, it, this the first like 20 minutes of this episode is just all chaos <laughs> because you have the fire drill, you have the CPR scene, and then you have the, I, I guess the, the, the meditation scene. It's not, that's not as action heavy or super funny, but the, those first two scenes, it's just, they're, they're laugh out loud hilarious, but they're also showing that Michael and Dwight especially have serious problems because if, with his job on thin ice, Dwight decides it's a good idea to cut open a CPR dummy and then cut off its face. <laughs> like, I, I've got to wonder what's wrong with Dwight. Like, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> it's, as we learn again in New York, it's a very expensive, um, as they call it, doll. Um, it's, it's a training tool, but... Um, do you remember how much it was? Oh, uh, $3,500. You paid $5,300 for a dummy? But Dwight, of course, decides to cut off the face and wear it like Silence of the Lambs, like Hannibal Lecter does, mm-hmm. um, and do the, the licking sound that he does, which is super creepy. But Dwight was doing it only to see how realistic it was. Turns out it's very realistic. Well, I mean, he, he tries to find the organs and do an organ transplant. I mean, he's just completely lost his mind. And he then his discipline for this second scenario. And, you know, they go back to New York. They have another confrontation with David Wallace. And Michael says, well, this is why we do training. So now next time when it comes to the real thing, Dwight knows not to cut the face off of the person. (laughs) It's absurd. But Dwight does get reprimanded. He doesn't get fired. He could have and maybe should have. I don't know. Uh, But certainly had the, the cause to be fired. And so his punishment is to collect signatures, and he can't even do that honestly. It's all about tricking people. It's all about yelling at people, um, demeaning Stanley, uh, making light of his heart attack. He, he, he says, you know, it's not my fault. I, I didn't fill him full of butter and sugar for 50 years and force him not to exercise. And then he says, take a lesson from Stanley and jog on up here and sign this. It's so insulting. I like I mean, Stanley, he's trying to be more level-headed. And again, that's what we referred to last episode with Stanley's uh, association, or his his speech about Hillary Swank. Uh, He's trying to relate more positively to his surroundings. But Dwight is doing his very best to stress him out further. And then you have Michael stressing him out further. Uh, it's, It's crazy. And of course... They're not taking this whole CPR training very seriously at all. In fact, the trainer gives them the tip of, okay, sing Staying Alive by the Bee Gees in your head. Ha, 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 staying alive. And that's sort of the tempo that you're supposed to, like, pump. And of course, the entire office gets distracted and starts singing and dancing along. And, like, this isn't a joke. I mean, this is one of the only serious things that has come from this... um, this training, the first training, quote unquote, was a fire in the office, and that wasn't right. <laughs> helpful at all. This was a, a serious certified CPR trainer. 
trying to give them actual training in case somebody does have a heart attack in the office and they are abusing the real training. It's just... Like, and this is somebody from the Red Cross, like right. somebody who's there on an official capacity is probably being paid directly by corporate because and and they destroy the dummy and ne- neglect the training. Uh, poor girl. <laughs> <laughs> poor Rose, right? Rose. Yeah. Um, so Michael decides to have the roast, which we've mentioned. Uh, he thinks it's the best way for people to de-stress. And kudos to him it, it's him thinking more about their feelings and of his because he's come to the realization these guys are stressed by me no matter what i do so let's give them a way to de-stress and he doesn't consider i don't think what that means he's about to have a whole bunch of insults hurled at him he is not one to normally point the fun at himself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you're right. I don't think he takes into consideration that, oh, I'm going to be the one people are laughing right. at. And he's not a celebrity. You know, like a celebrity right. roast on Comedy Central, there is that sort of back and forth, nice, not nice, a funny joke at the, the roasty's expense. But this is Michael we're talking about, who is a guy who does stress these people out on a daily basis, who does show a lot of incompetence in his job. You can't really blame them. And they definitely take the opportunity. Um, I have a list here of basically who said what. Um, We start with Angela. She did an if-then situation. If this and this and this, then you might be Michael Scott. Right. Kelly has a list of people she'd rather make out with than Michael, including a turtle, a fridge, anyone from the warehouse, Kevin and Voldemort, just to name a few. And she ends with, happy birthday, Michael. Yeah. (laughs) She doesn't even know why you're doing this. (laughs) Meredith just points out the awful things he's done to her, like hitting her with his car, posting her bare boobs on the bulletin board with the caption gross. And then after all of his uh, his efforts to get her to stop drinking back in Moroccan Christmas, she reveals that it's him that's leading her to do it. You're the reason I drink. You're the reason I live to forget. That, that's got to hurt. Oscar just screams at him in Spanish. <laughs> Which the, the translation supposedly is, you give me an ulcer every time I have to wake up and come to work for you. For you. <laughs> if any of our uh, Spanish-speaking listeners have a better translation, please do send it because I, do not I would Spanish. love to know. <laughs> Nor do I very well. I would love to know. Jim uh, says Michael has a vocabulary way beyond his. He says, uh, like the word spider face, used in the context, cut off her nose to spider face, which is supposed to be cut off your nose to spite your face like right. it, it means that you will do whatever it takes for revenge or uh whatever at, at your own expense right and michael just gets the phraseology wrong like he does often with individual words and he says spider face <laughs> spider face dwight just yells at everyone for yelling at michael michael uh tells dwight repeatedly that he's an idiot because michael did put this on himself it's his roast for himself and dwight gets mad Dwight was defending Michael and then flips a switch and said, don't you ever talk to me that way, you pathetic, short little man. You don't have any friends or any family or any land. (laughs) He just does not want to be talked about like that, especially by Michael. And I love that he throws in any land. Like, Mm -hmm. that's such a Dwight insult. Yeah, and I think that's the moment where the roast really turns too far for Michael. Because if Dwight, of all people, is going to insult him, then it's just gone too far, really. Then you have Pam starting out innocently enough with the, the internet scam joke saying, you know, once every hour a man falls victim to an internet scam, that man is Michael <laughs> Scott. He says he's supporting about 20 Nigerian princesses. And Michael doesn't realize that she's poking fun at the fact that Nigerian princesses aren't real. 
and he 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 still is under the insinuation that they are. Says, you know, if somebody emails you asking for help, you help them. Well, okay, Michael. But then she says he's a great delegator and doesn't do any work himself ever. And then she like attacks his manhood yeah. and says, you know, I walked in on, in on him naked once, which as you remember happened back in Fun Run. And she says, and his thing is so small. Okay. How small okay. is it? If it was an iPod, it would be a shuffle. Such Eesh. a great metaphor. <laughs> oh. So, I mean, that's like cutting deep. I mean, a lot of men, that, that's like a real deep insult, you know? And it was not hypothetical. No. Pam saw him. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, she actually, <laughs> actually saw it. It would be almost, I mean, not funny, but almost funny. If she hadn't actually seen him and she had, and it was a real situation that she's referring to. But then we end on a slightly, slightly uh, lighter note with Andy singing a parody of what I like about you called that's what I hate about you. Oh, and I think that's like the, the cream on top for Michael where you have the entire office staff and warehouse staff singing to him. That's what I hate about you. And it includes lyrics like you really suck as a boss um, my favorite line, I think, is Stanley just Stanley tried to die just to get away. Oh. <laughs> that one actually makes me laugh, but it, it's really sad. And you know, right before that, Daryl draws attention to the fact that Michael doesn't care about the warehouse crew. The only one he knows is Dar or er, is Daryl, mm-hmm. and he doesn't know the name of the guy who shares a name with him after just the previous week spending an hour in traffic with him on the way home. So they're they're insulting his intelligence. They're insulting his manhood. They are pointing out the fact that. It appears that he doesn't care about everybody, especially those he sees as lesser, like in the warehouse. So, I mean, they're pointing out a lot of relevant things, but I think it is important to point out that, I mean, they do, I think, take it too far. Oscar says in a talking head before the event, uh, I'm, I, I consider myself a nice person, but I'm going to try and make him cry. And, I mean, they get there. They're pointing out the things about Michael that he values most, specifically him as a boss. As we have said many, many times, Michael, Dunder Mifflin is his life. Mm-hmm. It's his family. It's his best friends. It's what he lives for. And they are talking about how much they hate him specifically as a boss. Right. I mean, everybody comes up to say something. Everybody, including Toby, even though he turns Toby away because he says it's for friends only. Right. He said, I mean, he sees them all as friends. That's what we've talked about multiple times. You just said it. But does he feel the same way? Does he still see all these people as his friends as his friends after They've all taken turns ripping him to shreds. And Andy's song just completely tears him apart because everybody joins in and is enjoying themselves talking about how much they don't like him. And so he tries to make a speech where he sort of returns the favor, returns the roast, and he can't hold it together. It just leaves. And then he doesn't even show up for work the next day. Um, it's You can tell he's really hurting. And it's hard because he did bring it on himself, but the office also, it didn't seem like quite... A roast. I mean, to be fair, I don't think I've ever seen a roast. I don't think I've ever watched one either. But it's, I would assume it's more playful. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not like, you're a horrible person and I hate you. It's, I mean, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like, I I, I think that's likely more of what it is. Or it's more balanced, mean and nice. And this was just evil. (laughs) Right. Right. And like I said, it goes to show Michael's not a celebrity with good and bad qualities that you can poke fun at. It's just, we've, we've seen the negative and they're really tearing him apart for it. And it's devastating because he just wants to be liked by his employees. He wants to be the good boss. That's why he went into it is to, to be around the people. So he does show up 
everybody feels sorry leading up to that, which is good on them. They, they realize that they took it too far. And I think it also humanizes Michael to them. Mm. So in a way, it was a success, what he was trying to do. It, it, it's not exactly what he was trying to accomplish, uh, but I think they are less stressed. And I also think they see him as a man with feelings. And so it, it softens their image of him in their minds, you know? And I, I've got to say, I, I love his roast of them as well. Yeah. It's so my favorite one. I think he he points out, Oscar, you're gay. Boom roasted. And he says, Andy, uh, I don't remember the whole quote at the moment, but then he ends it with, and you're gayer than Oscar. Boom roasted. (laughs) That's that's like my favorite one. I think when they start laughing along with Michael, it's sort of a moment of healing for the whole office. Michael feels better because he's sort of gotten over the previous day and, He's kind of learned to to take the joke, even though it wasn't really a joke for the people of the office, for the employees. But he kind of got back at everyone a little bit, but in a more playful way, in a more like roasty, spirit of the roast way. Um, Well, I think they know that Michael has good intentions and Michael likes them. And it's just them that don't always return that because Michael trying to show them that often leads to him being a distraction and him being goofy in the workplace. and being insensitive at times but not because he doesn't like these people it's just because he doesn't know sometimes how to correctly talk to them as a manager uh but him going back the other way you you hear all the love in what he's talking about you you know he he likes these people and all of his jokes come from a good place and when he's done he says you know my kid you're the reason i'm in the paper business which is why specifically he doesn't roast say toby because Mm -hmm. it wouldn't come from a place of love. <laughs> right. That, that's a good point. I didn't even consider that. So that's all of that. I think, I think that we've done that, that justice. Sums that up, yeah. The other sort of miniature subplot that's happening is you have Andy and Jim and Pam watching a movie together. And mm-hmm. it's uh, a movie that Andy downloaded. It doesn't come out for six months. It's called Mrs. Albert Hannaday. And it features like the most cliche songs of all time. Like you make my dreams by Hall and Oates, which is a song I love, but yeah. it's in a lot of movies. And, uh, all Out of Love by Air Supply and a couple other smaller ones. And that's the one that has Jack Black and Jessica Alba and Cloris Leachman. And this is used as a framing device for Jim and Pam revealing that Pam's parents have been fighting. And in fact, uh, Pam's dad stayed with them mm-hmm. uh, because he needed to get out of the house. And so Jim is enlisted by Pam to talk with her dad. and. Because it's one of those things you don't, you're almost too close to a situation to talk about it. And so Jim is the perfect foil for her dad to talk to. And after talking to Jim, her dad calls her mom and says, listen, I'm going to find an apartment on my own. And Pam worries that Jim will say whatever it was, the same thing to her one day. Um, She doesn't know. We don't know. But I mean, it led to her parents officially splitting, it seems. She takes it as whatever Jim said convinced her dad to leave her mom mm-hmm. um, or dissuaded him from the idea of marriage or something like that, something bad. Mm-hmm. But in a really sweet moment, what we learned was that Jim was just telling Pam's dad how much he loves Pam, how much lighter he feels when she walks in a room and how he never doubted for a second that she's the person he wants to spend the rest of his life with. And that must have made Pam's dad realize that he doesn't feel that way about Pam's mom, at least not anymore. So really, it was a good thing for, for Pam, <laughs> right. for, for her and Jim. Um, she said, 
every little kid imagines that their parents or believes that their parents are soulmates. My kids are going to be right about that. It's such a big smile. Yeah. You know, it's so genuine. Like it's such a sweet moment. It's one of those like lovey dovey gem right. and moments. One of the good ones. You, you just can't help but feel warm and fuzzy about. She's like, I may have been wrong believing that, but my kids will not be. So a bit of a dramatic episode for Pam and rough to see your parents get divorced, especially as an adult. Just something I feel like you don't think about happening, but um, they tackle that in this episode and it ends well for Jim and Pam anyway. Yeah. And I, I think that's really the all the serious stuff we need to talk about. I mean, like I said, there's some really funny stuff, uh, which we're about to get into, but the, the serious stuff is pretty weighty at the same time. Yeah, really juxtaposed episode. <laughs> yeah. They, they really balance it. So let's talk about the funny stuff now. And I think we're going to be talking about this stuff for a, a little bit. A bit. <laughs> <laughs> because there's a lot of really hysterical stuff. I already mentioned Michael's, uh, the first stuff we hear from him in this episode, the whole, oh my God, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Everybody <laughs> stay effing calm. That that always makes me laugh. Stay effing calm. <laughs> yeah. As he's screaming. Angela, um, in a panic, pulls Bandit, her cat, out of a closed file cabinet which I have several questions. Um, how long has the cat been there? Does the cat live at Dunder Mifflin? Does she take the cat to work every day? Several questions. I, I had the same thing in my notes. <laughs> I said, I have several questions. Is a cat always there? Is it always the same cat? How does she sneak it in and out without anyone else noticing? Or, Is it or does safe? the cat live there? Yeah. Is it safe in a file cabinet? Probably not, but it has a little bed. Like it clearly spends some time there. And then she sees Oscar try to like exit through the ceiling tiles to get help and she throws bandit up into the ceiling tiles after oscar <laughs> save bandit and oscar of course does not catch bandit and bandit comes flying down through another ceiling tile. <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's save bandit and immediately she tosses the cat into the <laughs> ceiling without hesitation my goodness and then after stanley has uh, passed out because of his heart attack Michael says Stanley you will not die Barack is president you were black Stanley <laughs> this is your time this is your moment <laughs> Barack Obama is black he's president so you you can't die now you can't you've die. waited your whole life for this we've made it it's an insinuation and he, then he says you know I'm, I'm going to give him mouth to mouth Jim says don't give him mouth to mouth for this and Michael says he's going to swallow his tongue and tries to force his wallet into his mouth uh it, it does show on one hand that Michael really cares about Stanley and yeah. is willing to even put his mouth on his mouth to rescue him. Yeah. But it also shows that Michael's just completely hysterical. <laughs> he like mixed choking and heart attack and seizure and all kinds of problems. When Dwight is in New York with Michael getting in trouble, <laughs> David Wallace asks, what were you doing? I, I heard you shouted fire. And Dwight says, yes, I shouted fire. I shouted many things. I also shouted instructions on how to get out of the building. So you can imagine my frustration as safety officer when nobody would heed of what heeded. Head, headed. No, n when no one would hey, headed. headed up. No one would take headed of my instructions. Heed, heed. So you. Take heed of. And well, I don't see my coworkers. Take heed of. He heeding this right now. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and scene. And scene. <laughs> take headed of is, I think, my favorite one of those. Yeah. Um, and then right after that is when Michael walks to the the city and he does this whole leg up on a chair thing that he does so many times in the office. And it's always uncomfortably high. Really high. Like, like the chair in that scene or it's Jim's desk <laughs> in the office. It, it's always so absurd. Which is like he, such an aggressive stance. Too. Right. He, he, he like takes a pause and says, oh. 
this city. <laughs> Talking about New York. Uh, and he says, Dwight, we are not mad. We are just disappointed. No, we're mad. <laughs> yeah, dude, no, we're mad. <laughs> yes, we are. We are livid. But we are going to let this one slide. David says, no, we're not. I am not a mind reader, David. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's because you're in trouble, too. We're, yeah. we're taking this out on you as well. Stanley, in a talking head, um, he's returned to the office again after some time off. And he says, the doctor said if I can't find a way to relate more positively to my surroundings, I'm going to die. And then Michael, they cut away and we see Michael try to force Stanley to sit in a wheelchair when he really doesn't need to sit in a wheelchair. We cut back to Stanley's talking head. I'm going to die. <laughs> Michael says, you're going to sit in this wheelchair until you're back on your feet. He's literally standing right in front yeah. of Michael at the time. Ugh. And he, in a, Michael in his own talking head talks about uh, the, when Stanley had his heart attack, he says, and I knew exactly what to do, but in a much more real sense, I had no idea what to do. <laughs> I like it. It's the complete opposite in a much more real sense. I had no idea. Kevin is um, practicing on the CPR dummy and he is sweating and just working so hard. And he says, I can't keep doing this forever. And Rose, the CPR trainer, says, it's been 20 seconds. Kevin says, call it. <laughs> and then she does her own like sort of gym face to the camera. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Michael says, no rest for the sick. We are not always going to be there to coddle your heart back when it disappears to be worth <laughs> I don't know what he's trying to say. And it's really awkward, too, because Stanley is in the wheelchair at this, or maybe not in the wheelchair, but he's sitting in the conference room during the CPR scene. And Michael, like, is sitting in between Stanley's legs with a hand on each thigh. And it's so strange. It's such an awkward position. Yeah. In that same scene, I believe, Michael says, what are you going to do if you're by yourself and your heart stops? Stanley says, well, I, I would die. Michael says, and you're okay with that? Stanley, I'm okay with the logic of it. <laughs> uh, there's the whole, once Michael comes into the scenario with the CPR, it's his turn to try and save the dummy. CPR, or Rose says, so assessing the situation, are they breathing? No, Rose, they are not breathing. And they have no arms or legs. No, that's not part of it. <laughs> Where are they? You know what? If we come across somebody with no arms or legs, do we bother resuscitating them? I mean, what kind of quality of life do we have there? Kevin says, I want to live with no legs. Michael says, how about no arms? No arms or legs is basically how you exist right now, Kevin. You don't do anything. Corporate makes Dwight issue a statement of regret to his coworkers. His statement is super creative. I state my regret. He couldn't even memorize it. He had to write it down because, quote, he did not feel it. I think my favorite part about that is he, like, takes out this folded piece of paper from his jacket pocket and it's unfolds it. I state my regret. And he folds it back and places it back in his jacket. <laughs> it's so absurd. The face Michael makes when Rose announces that they failed and lost the victim after the whole staying alive situation, which leading up to that, um, Rose says, everyone, we need to pump at a pace of 100 beats per minute. Michael says, okay, that's uh, hard to keep track. How many is that per hour? <laughs> Jim says, how's that going to help you? Michael says, I will divide and then count to it. <laughs> Which is exactly what per minute means. Yeah. 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 <laughs> what we talked about earlier with the biofeedback device, as Michael approaches Stanley and it starts to go off, Michael says, okay, I think that thing is on the fritz. Oscar, would you reach over and touch that thing? That's what he said, right, guys? Because of gay? Because <laughs> of gay. Because of gay. <laughs> Because of gay. Preparing for the meditation scene, Michael goes uh, onto his computer and is looking for like peaceful sounds. He says, I've downloaded some peaceful sounds. He starts playing one and he says, that one makes me think of death. 
that's kind of nice. <laughs> I don't want to be thinking of death when I'm trying to relax, especially when I'm recovering from a heart attack. Of all <laughs> that's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> we told you we, we have a lot of funny moments to talk about. So yeah. we're, we're getting through it. Michael needs to learn about what YouTube is. Um, he wants to get his roast up on YouTube. And he believes that the people from YouTube need to come down and film it, not that it's a user-submitted video service. Right, and he says, uh, we, we need to get YouTube down to tape it. To tape it. To tape it, because you put tape on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> After it's revealed that Michael is a cause of stress in the office... He says in his own talking head, so uh, it wasn't Dwight after all. Looks like I am the killer. You never expect that you're the killer. It's a great twist. <laughs> great twist. It's more of Dwight's scenes. Um, he says it's his own fault for using PowerPoint to try and do the safety uh, instructions. He says PowerPoint is boring. Um, and then during the actual fire drill, when everybody is panicking, uh, he shouts out, you don't see him do it, but he, you hear him say, have you seen, a, have you ever seen a burn victim? And I'm 90% sure this was confirmed by Rain in his autobiography that it's improvised. That, that was one of his favorite improvised lines. It's one of my favorite lines too. It's just like the most absurd thing in the middle of this fire drill. Have you ever seen a burn victim? You should consider what you would look like if you got caught in a fire. <laughs> At the very, very beginning of the uh, quote fire, Dwight is trying to get everyone's attention to the smoke filling the office. And he says, does anybody... Does anybody smell anything smoky? Angela, without even looking up, says, did you bring in your jerky again? <laughs> she also reveals that she's only 82 pounds, which even as small as she is, sounds hard to believe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which um, they're, they're just making the joke that, oh, yeah, she's still very tiny. Right. She still wears the American Girl doll dresses or whatever. Uh, but 82 pounds is real, real small, real small. Uh, I think my favorite Andy moment is when Dwight lights firecrackers halfway through the panic. And Andy shouts, the fire's shooting at us. Which I don't know what that would simulate. It, it doesn't simulate anything. It just adds to the noise. Yeah, just to freak people out more. Yeah, I think Phyllis even shouts out, what the hell is happening at that point? Yeah. I'd like to point out how ridiculous the Jack Black movie it's, it's is. Absurd. The premise is basically Jack Black's character falls in love with his girlfriend's grandmother. <laughs> Which was supposed to be the mother. The mother. It was supposed to be Nicole Kidman. And then she backed out, and so now it's Clarence Leishman. And it's just this gross, like, 80-30 relationship, and it's it's graphic. Yeah, there's that make-out scene when she's it's, naked from the bathtub. No one needs to, needs to see that. <laughs> and at the very end, you have Jack talking to um, his character Sam. Yeah. Talking, what's, what's her character's name? I don't, well, I guess it's Mrs. Hannaday. Yeah, I think he calls her that. Yeah. <laughs> Lily. Lily. It's Lily. And she's on her staircase. Like chairlift. Chairlift. Yeah. Like an, like an up. You know, Carl has an up. <laughs> um, and she, she's trying to get up the stairs away from him because she, he's clearly like lied to her and devastated her or something. And he, he's not chasing her like or just walking around the banister to talk to her face to face. He's standing at the end of the banister and she's just slowly creeping up the stairs. Like, Push the reverse button, Lily. And then he just wails. And it's super slow. <laughs> I, like, I think an up, you know, up, uh, Carl is lowering to the yeah. team, uh, <laughs> from Carmen or mm -hmm. something like that. It's Carmen. Yeah. Andy, in the midst of um, Jim and Pam's drama with Pam's parents, Jim and Pam are talking about what's happening with her parents while watching this movie. 
and Andy misunderstands and thinks that they're talking about the movie. And he just, it's all this movie critic talk is going right over his head. And he thinks that Jim and Pam are like movie geniuses. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I don't understand. They're so much better at this than me. And so he decides maybe he'll be a food critic. These muffins taste bad. Or an art critic. That painting is bad. <laughs> I think my favorite part of that is it's the very end when Pam is having her talking head about how her kids will know uh, that they're right about her parent, their parents being soulmates. And she ends with the quote, um, I think it also means that love affairs sometimes look different to the people inside them. Mm -hmm. And that's when Andy walks into the background and he's just finished watching this movie and he like tosses his papers to the ground. He's so frustrated because it's another thing that just clearly went over his head. Because he fancies himself like a movie buff and he's just not understanding. <laughs> Oscar, again, just want to mention he falls through the ceiling after climbing through and Creed just like screams in the back. It's <laughs> pretty funny. Kevin, as part of the escape and trying to find a way out of the office is uh, his thing is saving the snacks from the vending machine. So he's throwing a chair into the glass of the vending machine and uh, he breaks the glass and grabs a bunch of snacks because safety. Right. And it's like juxtaposed with Michael throwing a projector through like an old school 90s yeah. projector through the office or conference room window mm -hmm. at the same time. So you have Michael like actually trying to escape or call for help or whatever. And then you have Kevin getting snacks so at least if he dies in a fire he won't die hungry i guess <laughs> and toby gets especially devious in this episode for a moment when dwight comes to try and convince him to sign his apology letter and toby says well would you like to uh buy some girl scout cookies from my daughter and dwight says he passes it first but then toby says you know we could instead just sit here and talk for an hour or two <laughs> uh about your improvement and then they both get this grin on their face, like, oh, we understand each other, I suppose. Deal. <laughs> <laughs> and so Dwight buys a case of dosey dos uh, which is good timing, perfect timing, actually, because he just milked the goats, so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand that. I, I think it just means that he has fresh milk, but oh, nobody yeah. drinks goat milk I except hope. Dwight. Except Dwight. <laughs> which kind of makes me wonder, uh, uh, referring still to Toby later, he comes up to try and roast Michael but he's turned away because he's not a friend. I just have the feeling that Toby, whatever he had to say, it would be hilarious and devastating. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I would love to I know think what he, he would probably have like the cleverest statements of anybody up there. And, and because it's almost something you don't expect from him just because he is so level-headed most of the time. But given the opportunity, uh, I'd like to think that he would just tear Michael apart. He also might be really kind, mm -hmm. you know, because he... I don't think I've seen Toby do anything really irrational. I think he might actually roast him appropriately. Yeah, I was maybe that that would be the case too. Like he actually does a proper roast. Yeah, where he does the compliment sandwich or whatever. But either way, I don't see Michael taking it well. So. No, because <laughs> it's Toby. Creed during the uh, CPR scene, he suddenly interrupts everything that's going on with, "Oh, oh you were in the parking lot earlier. That's how I know you." <laughs> and everybody just stares at him like. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's how people get in the building, Creed. So the the other two Creed moments, since we always like to mention Creed, uh, there's one where Dwight says, "What do we do next? We check to see if he has an organ donor card." And Creed says, "He has no wallet. I checked. <laughs> like he, he <laughs> thought he this was checked. a real person or used to be a real person." I think he was trying to steal his wallet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, later, uh, I, I guess it's in the same scene. No. 
It, it's when Michael's gone. He hasn't shown up. He's, he's taking a personal day. Personnel day. Personnel day. Yeah. yeah. That's what it is. Uh, and Creed says, give it up. He's dead. And Jim says, he just sent a text. Creed just responds, what's a text? <laughs> <laughs> Even worse than Michael at technology, Creed at technology. <laughs> yeah. yeah, apparently. We did have a number of deleted scenes for this episode as well. We get a lot of Obama talk in this episode, especially in the deleted scenes. I believe because this was just very recently after or right at the time of the inauguration um, of Obama's first term Mm -hmm. as president. So Michael takes the opportunity in a deleted scene to congratulate Daryl Stanley and he says maybe Kelly on the inauguration of President Obama. He asks them to stand so that they can celebrate the official end of racism. It's not how that works, Michael. No. And goes on a rant about how now white people can basically say whatever they want and black people will have to be the ones to hold their tongues. Daryl asked to say a few words, and I absolutely love this. Watch this deleted scene if you can. He says, all food will now be slightly spicier. Public radio is now private. Cut it out with the Jonas Brothers. NASCAR is over. No more Morgan Freeman movies. He's more for you guys. And no more Winter Olympics. But there is good news. You can stop pretending to like jazz music. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's hysterical. (laughs) And there's further Barack Obama talk at the end of the deleted scenes when Michael sort of insinuates that he should have better things happen to him, like almost more positive karma. Right. Because he voted for Barack Obama. For (laughs) a black man. (laughs) (laughs) Michael also plays around with a defibrillator, uh, which he got because uh, Stanley's heart tried to kill him. Um, and he pronounces it wrong every time, and it's almost different every single time. Like a different wrong. Defibrillator. I can't even. (laughs) I can't replicate it, but it's really funny. And then he tries to trick Toby into shaking his hand while he has the the pads attached to his hand, and it sort of fails. And then after it fails, obviously, and Michael checks it, and he he holds up his hand like he's going to try and do it again to Toby, but then Toby's on to him, so of course he's not going to shake his hand. But then Stanley falls asleep at his desk, and Michael thinks he's dead. He says, you sleep like you're dead. And so he runs over and he like briefly defibrillates Stanley and Stanley like shocks himself away. Like it's, it's a real brief thing. It's not like Michael holds it there and causes damage. But, right. Uh, I was sleeping, Michael. <laughs> and then later Stanley is found with an eye mask on and a sign that says not dead. Right. <laughs> <laughs> He's snapping at his desk. Kevin then borrows the de- defibrillator and puts it on Meredith's chair. Um, what we see is slowly Meredith's hair stands straight up after about 30 seconds, I guess her Mm. hair is standing straight up and we see Kevin and Angela in the background, just in awe in a rare moment of friendship. Um, What I imagined happened is that Kevin put the defibrillator pads like under her, like on on her seat and then slowly turned it up. I guess that's what would happen or something. I mean, yeah, I I looked it up. It's, it's almost like what would happen if you put your hands on a Van de Graaff generator is what Mm. it's called. The, the big metal ball that you put your hand on like a mid static or whatever. It's pretty funny watching just Kevin cackling in the background with Angela. Like you said, it's a rare moment of togetherness. Yeah. At least mild friendship. (laughs) We do get an extended CPR scene, which I mean, we're not going to talk through all of it, but Michael and Dwight basically continuously interrupt and are super rude to Rose. They're, they're clearly just not interested whatsoever. Michael wakes up from an unintentional nap. He bought a relaxation tape he thought would be good for the office. He realizes that that's what put him to sleep and he turns it right back on (laughs) just to keep on his nap at work. Michael also goes around and asks everybody what the biggest cause of stress in the office is. Um, Kevin says too much work. Jim says baseball. Michael first says good. Yeah. Uh, why? 
it doesn't make sense. <laughs> um, and then Pam says, office politics. And then Michael says, yeah, we shouldn't talk about uh, politics in the office, <laughs> which is not what she was talking about. But sure. There's a bit where Dwight tells Angela that she looks nice. Um, he says, in exchange for her signature, he will make love to her like he used to. Or she can make love to him if she prefers. <laughs> I don't want to know the difference. <laughs> no, no. Um, but we also see him convince Stanley to sign. Mm -hmm. uh, Stanley says, you know, I'm supposed to let go of my anger. And so I basically just bought myself this wheel of brie cheese or whatever it is. I think it's brie mm -hmm. that he's eating. And so he just bites into a chunk of cheese. Um, but then we see Dwight also just like straight up screaming at Phyllis right in her face, being completely awful to get her to sign his apology note. During the roast, Oscar decides uh, after his own roast to call Jan and put her on Oof. speakerphone. And this is rough. She said that Michael ruined her life, that he has no sense of how to please any woman, that he wrote down once a phone message on her diploma, and that he used Jan's daughter's christening gown as a bid for himself. She calls him an ass several times and just is screaming at him um, over the phone. It's publicly, it's really, really harsh. It, it's rough. <laughs> I was not expecting that one. And we also have an, an extended Oscar roast where he says, uh, the only person statistically less likely to be legally married than me, a gay man, and at the time, gay marriage was not legal in the United States, he says, than me is Michael Scott. <laughs> Which, oof, that's, that's pretty intense, too. Well, that's all of it. Uh, I mean, there's lots of funny stuff in this one. It's tough to nail every single moment down, but we, we tried, and it was cool that we were able to do this in person. And so that's the end of the official 46th episode of An American Workplace. We hope you guys enjoyed it. We hope uh, it was maybe a little bit more natural conversation. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll see. Hopefully it won't be another four years before we see each other face-to-face -face again. <laughs> right, I hope not. Contact for the show, facebook.com slash workplacepod and at workplacepod on Twitter. Please consider going over to iTunes or Apple Podcasts on your phone. Rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, big uh, exposure for us. is It's a big help. Email feedback and ideas to workplacepod at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at ktlady623 or at facebook.com slash katie.white. And the best place for me is at chadadada on Twitter, also facebook.com slash chad.hopkins and Cinescope, my other podcast. You can find that where podcasts can be found and at thecinescopepodcast.com. Show notes and contact information for this show can be found at workplacepodcast.com. Big shout out to Katrina Crankshaw and to Michelle Strickland for being our newest Patreon subscribers. Thank you both very, very much. And if you want a shout out and more of an American workplace each week, including access to our discussion outline and notes, a logo sticker, bonus episodes and live streams, including video of this live stream where we're sitting right next to each other and looking at each other and having conversations. The best live stream. Uh, <laughs> you can check out our Patreon page and pick the support level that you think is worth it. And you don't just get access to new content. You'll be able to access all of our bonus stuff so far. So it's a really good deal. Whatever you decide, it's up to you. We appreciate every little bit. And we appreciate, of course, those of you who uh, can't or don't. We, it's just nice to get a little bit of that financial support as well. So uh, you can find that at patreon.com slash workplace pod. And that is all for this week. Thank you for joining us to watch one of our favorite shows, The Office, here on episode 46 of An American Workplace. Make sure to join us in episode 47 for our discussion on the next two episodes of season five, Lecture Circuit, parts one and two. Bye. Bye.